Hallelujah. You may be seated if you would like. Hallelujah. You know, I love going to a church where God's free to move anytime He wants to. Amen. I want you to know if you're not familiar with this church, <laughs> at any time, no matter what's going on, if we're taking up the offering and you need to come to the altar for prayer, you come on. Amen. If I'm in the middle of my sermon and the Holy Spirit pricks you to get up and come to the altar, come on. Why? Because it's not my will, but God's will be done in this house. Amen. We are here to allow God to do what only God can do. We just help facilitate to get people in that. That's why our praise team sings. And what a marvelous job they did today. Amen. I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, you know, there's other places that have more talent, other places that have a professional sound, but guess what? They can't nothing take the place of the anointing. Amen. And we got a praise team that is anointed by God, and that's why when they sing, you get them little goose pimples running up and down your back. Amen. Because nothing can take the place of the anointing. Amen. And we always should protect that. We protect that. And we fight to protect that. Amen. What do you mean you fight? We fight against disunity. We fight against bickering and complaining. We fight against the, the tricks of the enemy. Amen. That's how we fight to protect our anointing. That should be your most precious thing. When David messed up with Bathsheba in Psalms 51, he writes, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, he said, I can lose everything. I can lose the kingdom. I can lose this and I can lose that. But I can't lose my anointing. Even though I messed up, he said, Lord, don't take that from me. Amen. We have to protect that with everything that we have. Amen. Amen. You ready for the word? You say it's 1120. It's all right. I'm going to still get you out. If not, it'll be all right. I have been in church past 12 o'clock on Sunday, and the rapture did not take place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. A very familiar passage of Scripture. It's going to be a little lengthy reading today. 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 through 17. If you would like to stand for the reading of the Word, you may do so. Amen. Man, y'all stand up a lot in this church, preacher. We do. Amen. Get off that couch. Get some blood flowing. Amen. When you have 1 Samuel chapter 1, say amen. If you're still looking, just look up at the screen. Now there was a certain man of, long word, if y'all can pronounce that, y'all tell me after church. I, I actually practiced pronouncing that last night so I would sound educated and I could not get it. It sounded horrible. So, long word. There was a certain man of long word of Mount Ephraim and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy or a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her. Somebody say provoked. Provoked her sore, which was severely, for to make her fret. In other words, to make her miserable. Because the Lord had shut up her womb. Somebody say, Panina made fun of Hannah. And then, then, uh, and as, and uh, let's see, where am I at? Verse 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why are you not eating? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. 
Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post in the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. There shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Father, thank you for your word, for the anointing that is on your word. Bless the reading of your word today. Anoint these lips of clay that I may speak what thus saith the Lord to your people. And Father, we'll be sure to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to preach to you this morning on the thought provoked. Provoked. The reason that I'm in this text this morning is in this text, we get a glimpse of how God operates. How God will bring you into a room or into an element, into a relationship, into a place and let you see things to provoke you. God will allow you to be in places that will provoke you. God will, that's why I like working out at the gym. I have a little home gym at the house, and uh, I don't hardly ever use it. It's sitting there collecting dust, but I like going to the gym. Why? Because I see people in there that are in great shape, and it provokes me to want to do better and get myself in better shape. So God will allow you to find yourselves in places that will provoke you. God will let you get around people that are really studied in the Word. And it will provoke you to want to learn more about yourself. It'll, it'll provoke you to want to get in the word more and say, I wish I could quote scripture like that. I wish I could do that. It'll provoke you to want to be better. God will put you around people to stu that study to make you study. Because God lets us hear them to provoke you. God will allow you to enter a space of uncomfortableness because when you are provoked, it's not comfortable. When you are provoked, it's not comfortable. When you are provoked, it's aggravating. When you are provoked, it's irritating. It's frustrating because it makes me have to come face to face that where I'm at is not enough. God will let you get around people that the anointing just oozes off of them. And why? To it provoke you to want to get more closer to God. But the problem happens in the body of Christ, especially when God provokes us, we don't let it have the desired effect. God will let you around somebody that is blessed and blessed and blessed and it, to provoke you to want to walk closer to God. But instead of it provoking us to walk closer to God, we get jealous. We get envious. We get mad at them. Well, why ain't God blessing me like that? Well, why didn't God do that for me? Why didn't God bless me? Oh, come on, y'all act like I'm talking Greek right now. Well, they're just showing off. And we get mad instead of letting it provoke us to be better. Look at them with that short sleeve shirt on, all them muscles showing. I don't, I wish I, I don't got no muscles like that. It's because you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. Thank you for one amen in the house. Everybody else was like, don't you get the meddling with Cheetos, Pastor. Find the big buckets of cheese balls at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> so God will allow you to get in situations that will provoke you. And it should provoke you to be better, not bitter. Are y'all tracking with me? This is going to be so good this morning. 
When you are provoked, it makes you hungry. It makes you thirsty. It makes you restless. Why? Because it makes you seek something beyond where you are. God will allow you to enter places and enter things in life that will provoke you to be more than you are. Provoke doesn't come to hurt you. It comes to challenge you to be better. It comes to challenge you to be better. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you some stuff today that is just so awesome. In this story, we are introduced to several people. We're introduced to a man by the name of Elkanah. Now, Elkanah was a very wealthy man. He had a lot of substance. He was a well-to-do man, very respectable man. And Elkanah had two wives. I'm glad we don't live back then. Amen. You got one southern wife, you got enough. Amen. If you keep a southern woman happy, you ain't got time to keep nobody else happy. Amen. <laughs> Some of my brothers are like, amen, and I'm going to pay for that one when I get home. <laughs> Elkanah had two wives. One of them's name was Hannah, and the other one's name was Penina. And we're introduced to them. And uh, Hannah was a lady that was barren. She, her womb was shut up. While on the other hand, Penina had a lot of kids. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Now, Hannah and Penina are married to the same man, living in the same house. Everything's going good. And Hannah would have been fine. Watch this. Hannah would have been fine. She was married to Elkanah. Things were going good. Elkanah was a wealthy man. She didn't want for anything. She was married into wealth. Everything was going good. She was over there in the, the ritzy part of town. She was Everything was going great in her life. But the Bible said Elkanah had two wives. Hannah and Penina, he had two wives. And Hannah was happy and satisfied and comfortable and contented and relaxed. But God did not want her to be comfortable, contented, and relaxed. Why? Because Hannah's womb was shut up and she couldn't have children. There was some condition in her body that, that uh, would not allow her to see conceive. But notice something. How many of you knew God had the power to heal her? But God chose not to heal her. He chose to let her be provoked. Woo! This is so good. God chose not to heal her. He did not heal her condition. Whatever her condition was that made it where she could not conceive, God chose not to heal her. He caused her to be provoked. There is nothing as uh, irritating as being provoked once you've decided maybe this is not for me. Once you've got to the place in your life that says maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not supposed to happen. And you've already gotten comfortable with that and you've got okay with that. And then all of a sudden God allows you to be provoked. So irritating. I thought I was past that, God. I'd done, I'm okay with that, God. I done made my peace with it. That's what we say in the South. I done made my peace with it. And now here you come, God, provoking me that it's not okay. Hannah was okay with it to start with, but God allowed her to be provoked. There's nothing as irritating as being provoked once you've decided maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm not supposed to have it. Here's a big one. We say maybe it's not God's will for it to be in my life. Maybe I'm supposed to be alone. Maybe I'm supposed to be by myself. Maybe I'm supposed to be down like this. Maybe I'm supposed to be depressed. Uh-oh. Maybe I'm supposed to have all this anxiety. Maybe I'm supposed to just go through this. Maybe this is just my new normal. Ooh. Maybe this is just the way it's going to be, and I'm okay with that. Maybe I'll never be completely happy. You see, flesh will make a deal to keep you from being provoked. That will stretch you to the next dimension. Your flesh will talk, will talk you right out of your faith. I've lost all my amens. Your flesh will talk you right out of your faith every time. It will talk you out of the uncomfortableness of believing God that your life doesn't have to be the way it is. 
The flesh wants you to be comfortable in your mess. Your flesh wants you to be comfortable in your mess. Your flesh wants you to stay broke, busted, and disgusted. Your flesh wants you to stay down. Your flesh wants you to stay unhappy. Your flesh wants you to stay miserable. It don't want you living in that uncomfortable phase where it says, I'm believing God that there's more to life than this. I'm believing God that there's healing out there. I'm believing God that there's deliverance out there. I'm believing God that there's restoration out there. And it can belong to me because God is no respecter of persons. And if he did it down the street, he can do it for me. If he did it a thousand years ago, he can do it for me. We, the flesh doesn't want you to find yourself in that place. So it begins to talk you out of it and say, maybe it's not for me. Well, I started, I started going to church, and uh, maybe that just whole church thing ain't for me. That's your flesh talking you right out of what God has for you. Can I tell you something? The whole church thing is for everybody. Amen. Get somewhere, belong. Be in a place that God's moving, the word of God's being preached. I don't care what the sign on the door says. Amen. My goal is not to build a church. My goal is to build the kingdom. Amen. And in the process of building the kingdom, God will send them in. Amen. If I lead somebody to Jesus and they want to go to the Baptist church down the street, God bless you. I pray that God is with you and you grow in the kingdom. Amen. Well, pastor, how are you going to grow a church believing like that? My goal is not to grow a church. Your goal is not to grow a church. Our goal is to grow the kingdom. That should be our focus is to grow the kingdom. Amen. Let me move on. Even though you have gotten used to things in your life, doesn't mean that that's God's will for your life. There's an old movie out there called Roadhouse. Old Patrick Swayze movie back in the day. If you're an old movie buff fan. And he got a phone call. And his partner, which was Sam Elliott, asked him, said, how's things going? He said, it ain't nothing that I ain't used to. But then he made this statement. He said, but it's amazing what you can get used to. And I remember that line from that movie. You say, well, how does that fit into a sermon from a movie? Because inside the body of Christ, it's amazing what we can get used to. And just because we're used to it does not mean that it's God's will for our life. I've talked to people before that are in abusive relationships. Well, I'm used to it by now. That don't mean it's God's will for your life. Amen? Well, I done got used to never having no money. Well, that don't mean that's God's will for your life. It's amazing what we can get used to. Well, I done got used to going to church and getting my feelings hurt. Don't mean that's God's will. I done got used to this kind of worship, and I done got used to this and that. And it's amazing what we can get used to. And what we accept as normal, and then we believe that that is God's will for our lives. Amen. Elkanah had two wives, and Hannah was good with it. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> and moving on. Hannah was good with it. But then something started happening that caused Hannah not to be good with it anymore. Panina started having kids. Are y'all tracking with me? Keep in mind, Elkanah had two wives. They both had the same man. But something started happening. Hannah was okay that her womb was shut up. She was married into money. She didn't want for nothing. Things were going good. She was good. She's like, maybe it's God's will for me just not to have no children. Maybe it's okay. But then all of a sudden, Panina started having baby after baby after baby after baby. And Hannah started having a problem with it then. Why? Because it began to provoke her. Watch this. Her problem was that Panina took the same man that Hannah had and did more with him. That is so powerful right there. When Panina 
began to take the same thing that Hannah had, but Panina was doing more with it than Hannah could, she started having a problem with it. There are people out there that can take the same opportunities that you had, the same chances that you've had, but they took it and run with it. It will cause you to be provoked to either do better or you're going to hate that person. Why? Because they had the same opportunities as you had. Let me go ahead and just preach right now. There are people living on the government now that want to blame it on white privilege. They want to blame it on, on uh, economic status. They want to blame it on the color of their skin. They want to blame it on this and want to blame it on that. But every person out there today has the same opportunities. You either take advantage of them or you don't. And if you don't take advantage of the same opportunities, I had a public school education. Graduated from West Marion in 1993. Westside. Graduated from West Marion in 1993. Here we go. Watch this. Some of the same people that I graduated with, their life is a total mess. Check it out with me. Stay with me. Their life is a total mess. Bad decisions, bad this, bad that. Their life is a wreck. Don't have anything. But they had the same opportunities that I had. Mm, this done got quiet in here. Here is Hannah being provoked because Panina took the same man that she had, the same opportunities that she had, but did a whole lot more with it. When you see somebody, whoo, that's had the same opportunities that you've had and they've done more with it than you have, it should provoke you to step up. <laughs> if Panina, watch this though, if Panina hadn't done more with him, Hannah could have told herself, maybe it's Elkanah's fault I don't have no children. Maybe it's Elkanah's fault I don't have children. But she couldn't use that because Panina took the same man that was having baby after baby. So, <laughs> this is so good. But Elkanah had two wives, and when he was with Hannah, nothing happened. But when he was with Panina, Panina started having baby after baby after baby after baby. And the Bible says that the Lord blessed Panina to have babies so she could provoke Hannah. Maybe it would have been okay if Hannah said Panina's got Elkanah and they're not having babies. Maybe it's Elkanah. But when somebody takes the same opportunities that you have and does more with it, you can't use that excuse. Preacher, I couldn't go to college. Why? You can go to college for free. Well, preacher, I can't, I can't buy a house. Well, if you'd have paid that $300 credit card bill, your credit wouldn't be messed up. Hello? If you got a credit report, a $300 credit card charged off on your account, that's you. Amen? Amen. If you rent to own your refrigerator and they have to come get it, hello? Happens all the time. You renting on your washer and dryer, and that errands truck backs up to your house. But I just don't know why I can't get a house. I made a lady so mad the other day. I don't know if I told you this or not, but I'm going to tell it again. Stopped a lady that her tag had been out of date for two years. Okay, that goes beyond forgetting. I stopped a guy yesterday, or day before, his tag had been out for two years, and I said, your tag's out. Oh, really? They didn't send me no letter. Anyway, I stopped a lady the other day, her tag had been out two years, 
She's like, I can't get a tag because I owe an $1,800 garbage bill. That's what she told me. And she said, I just can't afford to pay it. I don't know how much garbage bill is in the county. Is it $18 a month? Something like that. $18 a month. And you owe $1,800. Bucks. They ought to leave your trash sitting on your porch. In the city, it's with your water bill. You pay it or you don't have water. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all fixing to find out the annexation goes into effect at 12.01 tonight. Amen. So don't be speeding in Lakeview. I'm going to tear you up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, this lady, it's like your tag's been out of date for two years, ma'am. Watch this. I got $1,800 garbage bill and I just can't pay it. And I said, but you can buy all them cartons of cigarettes sitting on your back seat. She didn't like that. I wrote her a ticket and eased up by the back window and go, here you go. I'll see you in court. Went back to my car tonight. <laughs> she was hot. But it's, it's what we, here we go. There. <laughs> I done lost my place. She had the same opportunities. And we, we blame everybody else for the shape that we get in. Amen. A couple of people are like this. Let me move on. I got to hurry. The Bible says Panina boasted of her fruitfulness. She boasted about it. Oh, God's blessing me. And why not? She shouldn't have rubbed it in Hannah's face the way she did. But it's okay to boast about being fruitful of God's fruitfulness. But we, 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 we've, got, we've been taught so long inside the body of Christ. You get a new suit. Oh, is that a new dress? Is that a new, oh, this old thing? No. God blesses you. You walk around, did you get that? Man, God's been good. Got a new truck. Got a new suit, got some new shoes, got a new house. God's being good to me. Don't ever apologize for God being good to you. You can boast of God's blessings. My God's been good to me. God's been good at 811 Magnolia Avenue. And I probably shouldn't have put my address on the internet. But God's been good. I don't know who them people are that live at that address. Y'all don't go mess with them. They got a big dog, though. <laughs> Brad don't come over to my house unless he calls first and say, put demon dog outside. <laughs> Sherry's the same way. Put that big dog out. Watch this, though. But Panina boasted of her fruitfulness, and he, she pushed Hannah to a place of desperation. You know, when you get desperate enough, you'll do something about it. Old people used to say, when they sent food before you, you didn't say, I don't want that. Amen. I get so aggravated at my children. I'll cook a meal, chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn, green beans. Man, it's just a, man, we're picking to tear down. My kids will look at it and be like, I want Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> I want dino nuggets. I want chicken fries. I want pizza rolls. I said, never, I've been cooking, I find myself Sounding more and more like a southern woman sometimes. I've been over this stove for an hour, sweating and cooking, and you want cereal? You feed and eat at least one green bean. But, but, but old people, older generation, they didn't do that. You eat what was set before you, or you did not eat. And if you said, uh, they would tell you the problem is you ain't hungry enough. Let me tell you something. The problem with a lot of people today and the reason that they're still battling the same old problems and same old problems is they haven't become desperate enough to do something about it. When you get desperate enough to do something about it, you'll start making some changes. When you get desperate enough to say, I've refused to live like this anymore, you'll start making some changes. There's so many people come to me crying and complaining, and, and I, that's fine. That's what I do. I'm a pastor. I hear this stuff, and, and I'm okay, and I'll pray with you about that. Come to me, cry and complain, cry on my shoulder. It's okay. That's my job. But at the same time, we get need to let the, uh, the, what's going on in our lives push us to a place that we change. Push us to a place that we change. Push us to a place that we do better. Watch this. 
So Hannah is here, her womb shut up, and then every time you turn around, here comes Panina. Whoo! I know I just had a baby six months ago, but good luck. I ain't seen my feet in three years. Whoo! My toenails okay. Hannah's over here, her womb shut up, and Panina's like, whoo, girl. I got one on one hip, one on the other hip, three still in diapers, and I'm pregnant again. Hannah having baby after baby after baby. Panina's after baby after baby after baby. You'd think she's getting $600 a month for each kid she's having so many babies. Some of y'all are like, oh, I know Pastor Dissett. Yes, Pastor Winfair. If you already got six kids and living on government assistance, quit having babies. Oh, everybody, I can't believe Pastor just said that. I just said it. <laughs> Seen a bunch of kids running around at government housing the other day, and I told my partner, I said, you want to let them kids call you daddy because your taxes is raising them. My wife just told me to shut up. <laughs> let me move on. The truth's the truth. Amen. Whether we want to hear it or not, it's the truth. But everybody's scared to say it. I'm not scared to say it, but probably probably shouldn't say it. But <laughs> so every time you turn around, Panina pregnant again, and Hannah's trying to be cool about it, act like it doesn't matter. But here she coming, pregnant again, pregnant again, barefoot. Every time you turn around, Panina pregnant. If she wasn't pregnant, watch this. I could say it wasn't possible. If Panina wasn't pregnant, Hannah could say it wasn't possible. Watch this. If God had never delivered anybody from depression, then you could say maybe it's not possible. If God had never delivered somebody from alcoholism, come on, then you could say it's not possible. If God never delivered anybody from drugs, then you could say it's not possible possible so if God had never delivered somebody from depression you could sit in your depression and say maybe it's not possible but every time you turn around God will show you somebody who's been through exactly what you've been through but they came out of it somebody that's been through exactly what you've been through but then they came up you <laughs> he's provoking us Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you didn't belong? Been in a place you feel like you didn't belong, you didn't fit in, you didn't have the right credentials or qualifications to be there, and you're wondering, why am I here? God lets you get in places like that to provoke you. <laughs> the more Panina got pregnant, the more Hannah got depressed. Watch this, this is where the Bible's going. It goes on to say that she wouldn't even eat or drink or nothing. The more... Panina got pregnant, the more Hannah got depressed, and now Hannah's walking around like this. Bottom lip dragging the ground. What's wrong with you, Hannah? Nothing. Hey, I don't know if Hannah was from the South or not. Southern women are a trip. What's wrong with you? Nothing. Okay. You going about your business. I've been going through and you didn't even want I asked you what was wrong and you said nothing. That was code for you to dig. I need to do a marriage seminar. That was code for you to dig and say, no, I can tell something's wrong. What's really going on? I was talking to my son-in-law the other day, and he said, when I asked my wife what's wrong, and she says nothing, I, okay, I'm going hunting. I said, you got much to learn, young one. Much to learn. Obi-Wan will teach you well. <laughs> so, so, Hannah's walking around. All depressed, bottom lip, dragging the ground. The more Panina got pregnant, the more she got depressed. Hannah's not sick. She's not broke. Everything that made her happy was still there. But now she's up, upset and Elkanah comes to her. Bless his heart. Elkanah comes to Hannah. Hey, girl, woman, what's wrong with you? I don't have any children, Elkanah. And he looks at her and goes, Am I not better to you than ten sons? 
That's what he said. That probably did not go over well. He's like, I'm upset because I don't have no children. He goes, you got me, baby. Is all this not better than ten sons? Elkanah was full of himself. I love him, though. He's so cool. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? He's like, woman, I'm taking care of you. When I bless them, I blessed you double. You know I love you, boo. I'm taking care of you. I'm making sure all your needs are met. Ain't that enough? Hannah looks him up and down. You all right. Hannah said, I want something. Elkanah, but you used to be enough, but now that I see what you did with Penina, I want something more. You see, there's something about when you are provoked that what used to be okay is no longer okay. When you are provoked, when I see God moving and I see God working in one church, I'm not okay with it not happening in our church. When I see God delivering and setting free and healing down the road, I'm not okay with it not happening here. Are y'all tracking with me? It should provoke us to get closer to God. And Elkanah said, am I not enough? And she said, not no more. Because I done seen that you can do more. You know what God wants on a Sunday morning? He doesn't want just happy people or shouting people. He wants hungry people who want something. He wants hungry people who want something. You see, I'm not satisfied with where I've always been. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I'm not going to just keep my seat. I'm not going to shut up and be quiet. I'm not going to lay down and hold my peace. I didn't come here to look at you. You didn't come here to look at me. I want something more. I want something more. I'm not okay. And I've seen God do more than what I have. And instead of letting it make me angry, I've let it provoke me to want to do more, to want to be more. Watch this. So the woman who couldn't get pregnant with a fertile man, think about that. Elkanah was fertile. Why? Because Penina had baby after baby after baby after baby. So the woman who could not get pregnant with a fertile man now goes to an invisible God and says, God, I'm not satisfied. I got all these tents, I got all this stuff, I got a man that loves me, I got a man that blessed me so good he gave me a double portion. But what, but I, what I want, he can't give me. Think about this. And she's in there praying and crying out to God, and when the priest comes in, he looks at her and misunderstands what she's doing and calls her a drunk woman. Now, for the priest to think Hannah was drunk, there's no way that Hannah was sitting in the sanctuary. Lord, I need you to move in my life. Lord, I just need this to work out. She wasn't sitting there all prim and proper and all that. The priest thought she was drunk. So that means there had to be a little staggering. There had to be some movement. She was so desperate in her attempts to get a hold to God, she did not care what anybody thought about her. She didn't care who was looking at her. She didn't care if people misunderstood her. She was crying out to God out of her desperation. <laughs> he looks at her and says she's drunk. <laughs> she had to be staggering. She had to be stumbling a little bit. She must have been murmuring around the church. And the priest said, man, that woman is drunk. You see, when you want something bad enough that you stop worrying about your image and you stop worrying about what you look like and stop worrying about what people think about you, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to contain. Problem is, we got too many sober folks.
Man, I remember a day back in the church where folks used to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. They had to be something going on on the day of Pentecost. Because Peter walked out and said, these men are not drunken as you suppose. He said, but they done got a hold of that new wine. That new wine. We got too many sober people in the church. We need some folks to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Wesley, would you come? Watch this. And I'm getting ready to close. I'm going to share a couple of things with you. May go a few minutes over 12, but that's all right. So here's Hannah being accused of being drunk. In the house of God. But she don't care who's looking. She don't care. She's desperate enough that she says, God, if you'll give me a son. I promise that I will give him back to you. And he will be in your service all the days of his life. We know that her son became known as Samuel. Who was one of the greatest prophets in the, in the Bible. The greatest prophets in the Bible. Watch this. Throughout your Bible, when a woman gave birth to a promise, she would sing. When Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the Bible said she sang a song to the Lord. When Hannah got pregnant with Samuel, she sang to the Lord. But watch this. In Isaiah 54 and 1, Isaiah prophesied and said, Sing thou, O barren woman. Wait. Throughout the Bible, women who are pregnant and about to give birth sing a song unto the Lord. But here Isaiah says, Sing thou, O barren woman. Sing the woman whose doors are shut. Sing when you can't see a way out. Sing when things are getting worse instead of better. Sing, thou barren woman. Sing for the children of the barren woman shall be more than the children of the married wife. You see, if there's any area of your life that's not working for you, that will not open, Hannah's womb wasn't working. It wouldn't open. It was shut up. That's what the scripture says. So if there's any area of your life that's not working, that's shut up, the Lord just said, Sing, thou barren woman. That is so powerful. Sing, thou barren woman. Sing in that barren house. Sing for the children of the barren woman shall be more I didn't really come to preach to people today that's got everything I came to preach to people that are barren in some area of your life some area of our life that's not working like it's supposed to work some area of our life that's not right. It doesn't mean that you're not where you need to be with God. That just means that some area of your life is out of whack. There was something in Hannah's life that was out of whack. But God didn't heal her. He allowed her to be provoked to do something about it. And what did she do? She took it to God. And she was so desperate, so desperate in her prayer to God that she said, I won't be satisfied with nothing less that God gave her what she asked for. Can 
you sing while you're still barren? Can you praise him like it's already done when you don't see it happening? Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops working. And we're sitting here like, God, God, I'm just so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. And all the time, God's been in your future working. God's been in your future lining things up. What we must understand is that God already has our whole future planned out. It's there. It's going to happen. But the problem is, is we don't get desperate enough, hungry enough, thirsty enough, so we have to take the long way around. It is estimated, y'all can check me on this if you want to, but it is estimated that from Egypt to the promised land should have been about a three-month journey. And the children of Israel wandered around in it 40 years. Why? Because they was not desperate enough. Maybe it's not for me. And every single person out of estimated 3 million people Three million people left Egypt. How many of that three million made it to the promised land? Two. Two out of three million. That was Joshua and Caleb. Two. Everybody else that went into the promised land was born in the wilderness. Think about that. Joshua and Caleb led a bunch of youngsters. There was nobody over the age of 40 except them two. Nobody over the age of 40 except them two. And in the Bible, you wouldn't consider it a man until you were 30. Joshua and Caleb led a bunch of kids into their promised land. Why? Because all those kids knew was bread from heaven, water out of a rock, their clothes growing and shrinking with their bodies, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. The rest of everybody that left Egypt that seen the wonders of the Lord died in the wilderness, including Moses. Think about that. Desperate. God had the land of milk and honey waiting for them. But they weren't desperate enough for it. God already had a plan for Samuel. But he had to wait till Hannah got desperate enough. And was provoked enough to go to God. Closing. Don't allow things that God has allowed to provoke you to make you bitter. It's not for that. Sometimes God can miraculously do it like that. But sometimes God will allow provocation to come and push you to make the changes. God, I'm believing you to heal my body. But sometimes God will allow you to be provoked to get in better shape, to start eating better, to start exercising. Come on. God, heal my marriage. But sometimes God will let you be around a couple that almost makes you sick. They so lovey-dovey. I love you. I love you more. Hey. If nobody's marriage was working, you could maybe say, well, maybe it's not supposed to meant to be. But when you look out there and you see other people making it happen, come on. 
don't let it make you bitter. Let it push you to make changes. At one time, Hannah was okay with it. But when she seen that somebody could do more with it than she was with the same thing, she said, uh-uh, this ain't happening. If that person down the road can get a house, I can get a house. If that person down the road can get a new car, I can get a new car. Come on. That person down the road can have a good marriage, I can have a good marriage. That person down the road can have restoration with their kids, I can have restoration with my kids. Are you seeing what I'm going with this? If nobody else was doing it. You remember when Elijah prayed fire down out of heaven and Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah ran for his life, found himself up under a juniper tree and said, Lord, kill me. I'm the only one left. And God spoke to him and said, I've got 6,000. I ain't bowed a knee to Baal. In other words, Elijah, shut up. You ain't the only one doing it. I got 6,000 over here that ain't done it. <laughs> so if nobody else was doing it, you say, well, I've tried living right, but it's just so hard, Pastor, I can't do it. That would be a valid excuse if nobody else was doing it. It's hard for everybody. Come on. It's hard to bite your tongue. Yes. It's hard not to say what you want to say. It's hard not to put that five-fold ministry on them. Everybody has difficult times. But if there's out there, but when you look out and you see other people doing it, that excuse is invalid. Because they're doing it. That one's doing it. That one's doing it. That one's doing it. Let it provoke you. Would you stand with me? If I don't have you stand up, I'm gonna just keep preaching. Let it provoke you. Don't let it hinder you, let it push you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I have delivered my heart as best as I know how. And God, I just ask you now that you help all of us, Lord. That when things come into our lives to provoke us, that it pushes us. It doesn't hinder us. It doesn't make us get bitter. But it pushes us to be better. To make changes, God. To know that there's more out there. God, I thank you for loving us enough that you'll put us in places and in situations that make us uncomfortable. Because it'll push us to become more of the person you have ordained us to be. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us, O oh Lord.